Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy New Year, episode 31 of Barnes University Radio. It's your friendly neighborhood independent scout, Charles Barnes. Today's episode is going to have a little fun at the end. Um, talking about the NBA, but for the first uh, five or so minutes, five to ten minutes, we're going to be talking about the big news in Nashville right now. Um, offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur bolts for Green Bay, you know, and who wouldn't, you know, opportunity to coach Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, and first and foremost, I want to say congratulations to him because, you know, a promotion is a promotion. Um, you know, but this, this goes back and this will always forever be tied. And before I say that though, you know, I, I got to set the platform up. Um, my biggest problems or my biggest issues or my biggest, uh, friction or adversity comes from basically fans. Um, basically, yeah, basically fans. There's nobody that is, you know, at a certain position in life, at least publicly uh, commenting or having having a problem with my my uh, uh, my vocation, per se. You know, um, <clears throat> over the past 20 years, I've been a Titans fan. I haven't missed a game in 12 years in terms of watching it, viewing it, listening to it. Um, I have a passion for player evaluation, team building in every aspect from the aesthetics, from stadium rebuild to community uh, ideas, everything. The whole make Nashville, you know, a prominent force in the NFL and just, a great city, make Tennessee worthwhile, right? The whole shebang is not just me watching tape and saying, this guy can be good, this guy should be good. So it's really just really, you know, I really care about, you know, getting and adding respect to the Tennessee Titans name. My biggest uh, friction, biggest adversaries come from fans who think, who are like uh, hardcore fans, as you should be, and believe wholeheartedly in whoever you got. You know, some people grow up and think that, you know, whoever's in office, I'll never get there. Or they they have this untouchable viewpoint on certain figures, head coach, GM. It feels like they're so far away. They're so untouchable. As fans, we should shut up and whatever. But that's not me. That's not my life. Um, over the past few years, I've been able to, you know, put some of my projections and some of my opinions on wax, quote unquote, document them throughout my Twitter for the past six years. And what I've said on a high hit rate has been accurate. Have I been wrong? Sure. But at a high hit rate, it's been accurate. So Yes, I understand the rite of passage. I understand the chain of command, and I'm getting there. However, nothing is out of the realm of possibility in terms of collaboration, consultation, whatever. You know, some of the things that I've said, if listened to, the Titans wouldn't be in the situation that they are now. Now, to make a long story short, is the Tennessee Titans' decision to hire Matt LaFleur 
as offensive coordinator last year is extremely detrimental and was probably the wrong decision. Now, I did a, a roster dissertation that's been well documented. I know it's like a, a, a record playing on repeat. But I mentioned and I would have waited to sign Frank Reich. And if for those that don't know who Frank Reich is, he's the uh, head coach for the Colts who, after starting off the season one and five, won nine of your last 10 games, I believe, got, beat the Titans twice to get into the playoffs and beat the Texans in Houston. The reason behind Frank Reich and has been well documented on my, um, you know, fanhood, I guess you can say, or my liking of Frank Reich, I mean, Frank Reich was he's just an awesome teacher of the game of football. Um, I felt like with this Tennessee Titans team that he not only would be a great CEO and manager of this team, but he would be a great um, asset to Marcus Mariota's development. Titans didn't see that way. Um, now they're in a position where you hire Mike Vrabel, defensive minded coach. You actually interviewed Matt LaFleur for the head coaching position, Cho chose someone different, then try to get him back as a offensive coordinator. So from that standpoint, you know that he's interested in being a head coach. You know that you assume you made the wrong assumption that he would be committed to Tennessee. So therefore, you put Marcus Mariota in a horrible spot by making him have his fourth offensive coordinator in five years. To me, that's poor projection. And I've always said that this this is a very subjective business. Podcasting is a very media-based business. Some would see this as very opinionated to for someone that wants to be hired or at least considered for a position with the Tennessee Titans. But much like how I would run a team, I don't want to work with you if I can't be myself. If we can't um, be transparent, if we can't be real with ourselves, and scouting and evaluation is a subjective business. All opinions should be open. If I'm looking at anybody and I think they can help my team, I don't care. And Mike Vrabel has said this. I don't care if you've been in the league or have experience of for three years or 30 years. If you can help, you can help. I believe I can help. Now, I have no like personal vendetta versus Vrabel or J-Rob. You know, if, if we if, if those guys were in front of me and we talked, I, I would say the same things to their faces. You know, I think football should be an open discussion. I think that when people echo the same sentiments as you too often, then you probably are on the wrong track. You need people to be there to argue your points so that you can get it right. And I feel like the Titans have put a great strain on Marcus Mariota's career. He's in year five. Offensive coordinator for now is this the nail in the nail on the co proverbial coffin? No, I don't think that is the end. But it's very difficult, yes, for your franchise quarterback to be going through so much change and lack of stability. It's a poor projection, you know. And then if you go back just that to that singular position of choosing Frank Reich, then you don't have to worry about this. So over time, the Tennessee Titans continually continually shoot themselves in the foot and backtrack, you know, making them have to backtrack. At what point 
is the I just I'm I'm just trying to figure out at what point does it change? At what points at what point do fans want change? And to what degree are the Titans willing to venture out and understand? I mean, do tight do I, I honestly ask this? Do the Titans honestly want to win a championship? Do fans honestly want to win a championship? Because you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, um, I don't know what's a good comparison to this. You know, I, I know that not everybody, not everybody doesn't like my stances. What it is, is they see uh, African-American gentleman that tweets these proclamations, but I don't have a blue check by my name. Um, I'm not hired by a team that bothers them. More than the projections. I can be 100% right, but the negativity within people will find the one miss that I have and take screenshots of that and blast that over social media, but won't take the 100 times I was right. So it's really become somewhat of a witch hunt as opposed to actually seeing that this guy is actually good at what he does. Now, one could say, I don't like the way that you present the opportunity or present the information well when you're as passionate as me and you see such wrongs being done i'm not gonna i'm certainly not gonna say in through text on twitter you know because if you look at any of my videos you see that there's a different disposition there's a different delivery but and then obviously when i come to podcasts but the best podcasts in my opinion are passionate so I don't really care about how you feel about how it's presented. Does it have results? I think too many people are soft these days. You know, and you look at the, you look at, this is the 10 minute mark. I'm not going to get off on a tangent, but you look at possible replacements. Let's be solution based right now. Now, have I gone through an extensive list of offensive coordinators and where their scheme fits go and exactly what they want to get done. Have I loosely looked at some guys? Certainly. I think somebody that pops out recently that that his contract is ending with the Minnesota Vikings is Kevin Stefanski, who uh, stepped in in an interim role after John DeFilippo was relieved of his duties in Minnesota and immediately saw a difference because why? He was with that Minnesota Vikings team for a long time. He like he he knows what the players like. He knows how that franchise likes to get things done. Now, they didn't make the playoffs. Um but certainly he's a type of guy that you know, in that system where I think is very QB friendly. He understands how to get players involved. Um I think he well he's 36, I believe. So it's a situation where I believe that he might he who not might He's more hip to the more recent offensive trends that will help with the Tennessee Titans. Another guy that I just threw out there was Jerry Shablinski. Shablinski, um, he's an assistant quarterbacks coach with the Patriots. I'm not sure if, of his interest of being an offensive coordinator, but he pops out to me as a name that, you know, with the Patriot ties, um, that may want an offensive coordinator job, especially if Josh McDaniels leave. Josh might try to take him with him wherever he goes, but 
if if he's able to get an offensive coordinator position, who knows if he'll accept accept it or not. Um, other guys, obviously, John DeFilippo is a guy that has been well documented that I I like. Um, you know, I liked him as a possible offensive coordinator last year. Um, I think that the fit was bad with Minnesota with John DeFilippo. I think the fit here. Um, I don't think there will be necessarily growing pains, but I think that that John DeFilippo at this point would be a good quarterback coach. Um, offensive coordinator, he really needs a good staff. He really needs somebody to pair with him in terms of uh, ideology in the run game. Um, I think that with this team, can he whip Marcus Mario into shape? And I Mariota into shape, excuse me. Because I feel as though as a QB coach, he's more he'll be more hands-on in that process. As an offensive coordinator, it's more judicial, it's more CEO type, and he won't be able to necessarily be hands-on with Marcus Mariota. So as a QB coach, I think he'd be better. As an offensive coordinator, he really needs a quarterback that that can be what we're we're wanting Mariota to be. Um, in his system, you really need a quarterback that can do spectacular things um, because that's what he demands out of them. And if you don't have like a special arm, a special skill set, you know, um, above average accuracy and QB acumen, then I'm not so sure that you work in a John Filippo offense. Now, there were talks about possibly elevating Pat O'Hara to become offensive coordinator. And I just think that's a disaster waiting to happen because I don't even think that he's that awesome as a, a quarterback coach. So if you want to have continuity, continuity, you're better off bringing back Mike Malarkey, Mike, Mike Malarkey, excuse me, as the offensive coordinator, because he knows this team better than Pat O'Hara and has actually called plays before. So, you know, Pat O'Hara would be a disaster. And then you look at that staff in terms of, you know, the, the people that he had, um, you know, I, I really can't put, you know, a finger on anybody that would be worthy, you know, on that offensive staff that could be elevated. Um, so, no, you would have, I would definitely say that your best bet, you could try to patch work something with Pat O'Hara or somebody else, tight ends coach, or, you know, I don't know. But I just think that going a different direction is probably the best thing. And if people were talking about maybe go to a, a past college coach that Marcus Mariota had, you know, because of familiarity now that he has to learn something new, maybe backtracking and learning what he already has learned before might be great. But I, like I said, I think that, like I said on my Twitter, at BU underscore scouting, is that I think that he needs a coordinator that understands college football concepts because that is somewhat where the NFL game is going in terms of using athleticism, attacking teams more horizontally than vertical. And then someone that just knows the quarterback position that can really help Marcus Mario to beat his craft, which is weird at year five, still saying this footwork, torque, delivery, ball placement, situational football. So, you know, th those people, those type of people are hard to find, you know, um, overall, you know, and I think flip 
DeFilippo, Stefanski, Shablinski, um, with the Patriots, if I didn't already say that's where he's at. Um, um, you look at, you know, franchises such as the Chiefs with Kafka, and, you know, you look at the Bears and Ragone, where Ragone actually, Dave Ragone actually coached here. I think he coached the wide receivers, and he was either a QB coach, I think he was a QB coach, while he was here from 2011, I believe, to 2013. So he's he was with the um, he was with Munchak staff. Um, those years, you know, 2011 wasn't bad. 2012 was kind of ba- was was kind of horrible. 2013 wasn't as bad. So I mean, Ragone could could return. Dave Ragone coming, you know, from that Bears regime. You know, he's young. I don't, I'm not so sure, you know, what he would bring to the table in terms of, you know, his knowledge as an offensive coordinator. But he comes from the Bears, just two franchises that have that have those Chiefs ties and, you know, success leaves clues. Now it just comes down to personality types and, you know, his acumen. So um, I'll just end it, you know, last couple minutes talking about the NBA. There's been GOAT talk Amongst LeBron James, um, mentioning himself as, you know, self-proclaiming himself as the GOAT after his 2016 campaign, after beating the 73-9 and Warriors, um, after going down three games to one and winning a championship for the Cleveland, the, the city of Cleveland after 60, 50 years, which is impressive. That singular accomplishment and accolade is probably top five top three for a professional athlete period however goat talk to me it just comes down to what do you do what do you consider to be great you know um and i think that in back in you know earlier last year that i i i I was talking about you know i was trying to hide and not be biased but it is what it is, man. I, I believe that the greatest basketball player of all time, greatest basketball player of all time, greatest, because there's a difference. Who's great, who's the best, who's skillful, you know, who's most influential. To me, you have to break it down that way. It's unfair because, to be honest, there's so many different eras, you know, you can't tell. But to me, the greatest basketball player of all time, the greatest is Kobe Bryant. And a lot of people, the stat, the stat stuffers, the people who love stats and dunks and flair will always have the sentiments for LeBron James and Michael Jordan. And by the way, I think that the best basketball player of all time is probably Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time. The greatest, however, is Kobe Bryant. You look at the things that he's had to overcome throughout his career the two things that MJ and LeBron James have over Kobe Bryant is starting immediately. So you get a statistics boost from that. Um, and then the two things with MJ and LeBron is that they are athletically superior to Kobe Bryant. Body type wise, yes, they've gained weight, they transform, but naturally, natural athleticism goes to them. You look at Kobe Bryant, who nobody else. He had to sit, plus he was paired with one of the more dominating figures from personality standpoint and of this game, one of the most dominant players, and he shared and still held his own. 
Then he went through life situations where a lot of players would never have come back from when we're talking about court cases. Then the superstar leaves and he has to start from the ground up to get this franchise back to a playoffs and prominence. Goes on what would have been a three-peat, but wait. He was the first NBA player to ever face what we call now super teams. So that messed up his his second stint at a three-peat. Then he his trade a trade to get CP3, which could have extended his legacy in winning another championship, gets miraculously vetoed by the commissioner at the time, which is crazy. I'm not sure if that's ever happened. Then he suffers a for some a career-ending injury. Then has to suffer with poor general manager who are bickering between a family feud where they make no moves for his last three, four years um, in a Lakers uniform. But not only that, suffers injuries throughout his last three years, then drops 60 to say goodbye. To me, overcoming adversity in the storyline because greatness is about the story. And you could you could say that the story of LeBron James, because I think that when you talk about greatness, LeBron James probably comes into two for me and then MJ at three. But the best player, MJ at one, um, best player, LeBron at two, then Kobe at three, um, most skillful, Kobe at one, Jordan at two, LeBron at three, most influential Jordan at one, LeBron at two, Kobe at three. So it's always, to me, going to be three, those three talks, in my opinion. Now, I have a long list of, of NBA greats that I really like, but to me, that's just how it is. Influential, like Michael Jordan was one of the first athletes to be like modernized as, as a businessman and really take it to another level. Um, Skill-wise, Kobe's skill set, he can go right, he can go left, he can finish, he can spin, his footwork is impeccable. Best player, MJ is just, you know, from a basketball standpoint, you wouldn't want to face him. Like one-on-one for one a one-game series, nobody wants to face Michael Jordan. And and even more so than Kobe Bryant because you look at Kobe Bryant, I mean, Michael Jordan is undefeated when, when it matters most, and that's the NBA Finals. So, I mean, that's just my opinion. You know, I try to keep it 20 minutes with you. It's been three minutes over that. But like I said, Happy New Year. Um, thanks for, you know, clicking the link, listening, tighten up, um, God bless. Have a great rest of the week. Peace.